0: Empire Peer-to-peer wagering is here
1: We need to put the benefit of the platform and put it at the forefront or shove it down to use your shirt however you want to look at it and that benefit of an exchange is, is best pricing
0: That's Jake Benzakwin, co-founder of Profit Exchange, where a European model of sports gambling is taking shape in the United States. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Sports gambling continues to surge like a wave in the US and with some states changing laws and allowing for the acquisition of new customers and others now focused on retention, The next phase is options, and that's where Profit Exchange hopes to take hold. Our guests this week are Dean Sisson and Jake Benzakwin, who are the co-founders of Profit Exchange, which is a peer-to-peer sports betting exchange that is launching in New Jersey. Thank you both for joining us. Yeah,
1: thanks for having us. Yep.
0: Um, Jake, we were talking before we started taping. You've been working on this idea for years. Um, give me the background of why you wanted to get into and what you see in the future of peer to peer sports betting.
1: Yeah. Um, so we've been working on this for about four going on five years at this point. Um, a lot of it originally was more so proving concept and ourselves, peer to peer technology we could build. Um, And we did that through getting licensed and regulated uh, in the United Kingdom. So we were over in London uh, operating a peer-to-peer platform over there. Uh, We eventually ran into the brick wall that is Betfair um, over in the UK. Uh, And what ended up happening was we saw that there was an avenue for peer-to-peer here in the US by looking at the UK market and how it matured over time and eventually uh, made the conscious decision to so we had proved out our concept in terms of our technology, in terms of ourselves, and uh one after a market access agreement here in the US. So we're now a partner with Caesars Um Entertainment in New Jersey and Indiana, uh, where we are currently offering our peer-to-peer uh betting exchange in New Jersey and soon to be in Indiana to follow.
0: Um when you say you ran to the brick wall, what do you mean yeah. by that?
1: Uh BetFair. Um, was already a peer-to-peer betting exchange that existed in the U.K. And they had a ton more liquidity and way better product offering than we had. Although we are a bit differentiated in our approach to -to peer-to-peer in the U.K., we learned exactly how to do it from looking at how they did it, to be quite candid. Got it. Um, So it was... uh, it was definitely a good learning experience being out there, but um can't compete with someone that when they have that much liquidity and and, and have been around that long and dominated that long in in what the the vertical was that we wanted to operate in.
0: And, and Dean, give me some of your background as well. How did you end up getting into this space?
2: Jake and I were friends predating our our venture into this. I uh in school I was studying econ. I went to investment banking right after I graduated, but Jake and I, we were always sports betting enthusiasts, self will say. Um, really, we're just fascinated with the concept. We started to dig in more into um, maybe why it was a little archaic in the U.S., and we explored what it looked like in, in the U.K., and we were pretty fascinated. And uh, one thing led to another. We said to ourselves, okay, it's going to be a lot easier to get up and running in the U.K. than it is here, and um, and here we are.
0: All right. So take me through um, what exactly happens on the exchange. I mean, I think most people understand it, but it can, if someone asks you, okay, how does this work? How do you answer that question?
2: Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a two way street. So we're matching counterparty to counterparty, meaning someone can come in and request a price on a wager and then someone else can go in and accept that price on a person's wager now i want to make a key distinction that it's not one-to-one so like if i bet a hundred dollars and jake bets a hundred dollars on equal and opposite sides that's a match but if he bets ninety dollars and and i bet a hundred dollars on equal and opposite sides it's a ninety dollar match with ten dollars of my bet open um to be matched by another counterparty so it's somewhere where you can either get the best price someone is offering you or request your own is the best way we like to
1: describe it. Yeah, there's there's no social gimmicks associated with it as well. A lot of platforms or peer-to-peer companies, um, you just hear peer-to-peer, right? And you think, you know, I'm betting against a friend or another individual, which, you know, could be the case, but there's no social elements. All of our matching is anonymous. So you don't actually know who you're betting against. It's very similar to how if you go on your um, Fidelity or E-Trade or whatever you're using and, Um, you're buying an options contract or an equity. And if there's someone on the other side of that trade, you just necessarily don't know who, whether it's another individual, institution, syndicate, whoever it is. So we very much mirror ourselves uh, after that approach. Um, However, we tried to keep all the financial aspects out of it that we could really focus on
0: sports better. And and you think that anonymity matters here, that, that the user should not know who's doing what, who's tracking well, anything like that.
1: Yeah, the, the concept of social betting, I, I think at least in its current form, is it's not there yet. I, I think betting is, especially the amounts you're betting and what you're betting on, is still somewhat of a private concept at the end of the day. Yeah. I don't think there's a real scalability factor to matching people um, who are friends or knowing who they're going against, not to mention there's a lot of regulatory concerns of knowing who you're matching against. Um, So, just for all those reasons, I mean, we really wanted to focus on building the most liquid, scalable platform. Uh, and the way to do that is through anonymous matching and shared liquidity pools rather than one uh, social features.
0: And, and, Dean, you guys are not providing any lines or props. You're allowing the users to do this on their own. Is that correct?
2: Yeah. That's all right.
0: Okay, so okay. talk to me through the legality in the United States of, of doing that, that that is also completely legal to do in this country, At the, well, in places where it's been legalized. That's okay at this point.
2: Yeah, we are viewed as a, or at least in, in the eyes of regulators, as a sports book in the sense that we have the same license as them. So we fit within the, the current regs, we fit within the current federal regs, um we maintain the same license that, that any other sports book would. So it's fully legal. There was nothing we had to really work around there. We had to get legal opinions and whatnot,
1: but that wasn't certainly wasn't the hardest thing we had to do. Okay. Yeah, and there's a there's a key distinction to be had as well just in the legality front because you have a lot of exchanges operating in gray markets or offshore or just not holding licenses. And yeah. We, yeah. we 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 were the first one to launch here for a startup to launch here first legal exchange to launch here so you, you can see there's tons of great exchanges across Canada South America Asia all of that um, but we were really the first ones to, to do it here in the US
0: all right so take me through um, some of the technology that you talked about what kind of platform have you built and you said you've learned from watching what happened in Europe and how Betfair grew their model, Um, what were the lessons learned and what are you applying here in the United States?
1: Yeah, I I think there were, I mean, there were a lot of lessons learned in terms of how how and when we operated in the UK. The first and foremost is that you you need people to understand the product, which might sound silly, um, but it's basically the learnability versus benefit equation is, if someone is willing and able to learn, um, what is the benefit that they're getting out of it, and is it worth my time to learn this to be able to get that benefit? So we need to put the benefit of the platform and put it at the forefront or shove it down the user's threats, however you want to look at it. And that benefit of an exchange is is best pricing. Um, so whether you're um, betting on a team to win, um, an, another extra market bet is was offering it always at the best price. And the best way to think of that was um, if you're shopping online, or going to a convenience store to get something that's routine, that's a commodity. Uh, I'm going to Amazon because they have the best price always and the best customer experience, or Walmart too, um, because of of the same factors. I don't even need to check anywhere else because I know that Amazon's gonna send it to my door in two days uh, for the cheapest rate. And that's essentially how we want users to think about the exchange once they get around to it. Being able to know that it's not even worth their time to go to a sports book or check that sports book price, because the exchange is always going to beat it. Um, and that we centered our technology around that approach, to be honest, um, wanting people to understand uh, that this was the platform that you could get the best price on, that this was a platform that was differentiated. So we built our products to do that. Um, but we also didn't want to make it too overwhelming, right? That's a huge lesson that we learned from the yeah. UK. Betfair that, that is extremely intimidating when you get there. Um, there's a lot of new features and things that aren't, akin to a sports book um, that make it hard to overcome from a user interface perspective and we really really tried our best to make this as similar to a sports book as possible with the same benefits of an exchange um, so we're, jury's still out right we're, we're only a couple weeks old over here at this point yeah. um but we obviously are super biased but think that our, our platform does have that right balance of Simplicity, but also uh, you can still reap the benefits of what an exchange is
0: supposed to offer you. The brick wall here is that major sportsbook operators, and I'm in traditional sports media, are spending and spending and spending in customer acquisition. So how do you guys think through marketing and getting the awareness when you're up against the ad spends of DraftKings, FanDuel, MGM, Caesars, whoever else is trying to acquire customers?
2: Yeah, we're not going to beat them at that, right? Um, that's that's never been the game plan. What, what we like to say is there's three ways to compete in sports betting: it's it's product, uh, there's promotion, so who's ever giving me the best promotion, and then there's price. You you can go around and ask every single user who is betting app right now why they're using an app, and they will either say, I like the product, I like the experience, it's easy for me to deposit, it's easy for me to withdraw, it's easy for me to navigate to my bet. Um, or they'll tell you, this book is giving me the best promotions right now. That book's giving me the best promotions right now. No one ever says, this book has the best lines every time, period. No one is doing that. Um, so for where these other sports books are racing to the bottom in terms of customer acquisition because they all have the same product, we don't have to enter that race, right? Because we are a substantially different product and we can actually offer users something that keeps them around and keeps them loyal. Um, that's the way we see it. Yes, we're going to need to spend money to get off the ground, of course. Yes, our CPAs are going to be higher in the beginning because it's going to be yeah. a bit more of a slog to get customers. But once that network effect starts taking place, that's that's where the real value of the business lives.
0: Yep. And then I assume you guys have thought through Trust Factor because with all of these other places, DraftKings, FanDuel, MGM... People know what they are. They know their money is safe when they go in there. This is not to suggest it isn't with you, but you realize that there's a trust factor. How do you guys kind of think through that part of it as well?
2: Uh, great question. That We've actually have not been asked this, but something we have, have thought about. Um, yeah. Something that we said to ourselves very early on was how are we going to get people to deposit into our platform? And it's something that Jake and I saw in the UK. People were, very hesitant to deposit into our platform they've never heard of it right like why am i going to give you a lot of money to play around with if i don't know if you're a scam or not um so what we did for for that is number one we have our brand awareness budget and our digital acquisition and marketing budget that always helps but we partnered with um, a brand ambassador victor cruz and if you go to our site you see him all over the site and what that does is that gets people over the hurdle of can I trust this platform? Can I deposit money to this platform? I don't think you know Super Bowl winner Victor Cruz would be uh, working with uh, a scam. So that's that was our logic for for bringing him in. He's been great with us, um, and we've seen that people are depositing, trusting the platform, using it fairly frequently. Now you can't measure that, but. Um, I think our hypothesis is coming true.
0: Okay, um, and then on the the other side of this, which is you're you're betting on here that when people who are at least nuanced sports betters find you, you they're going to realize that they have a superior product here because you're going to get the best price. Um, what would stop some of the other American bookmakers from just doing this and having peer to peer? Do you, do you think they will go in that direction?
1: Someone who's been working in peer to peer world well for four years at this point, the technology is extremely complex, not to say that they couldn't build it themselves, it would just take them a long time, um, and also not to uh, keep harping on Vetfair on over here and, and to make a long story short, but basically their technology is not built for the U.S. regulatory environment. They can't drop their matching engines into each individual state um, because they have one global one for the entire world, for the U.K., for Italy, for Australia. That all feeds into one matching engine, and because of the Wire Act here in the U.S., they can't use that matching engine in every single state here. It's just not how their technology works. Um, so we, we really tailored our matching engines and everything that we built to the U.S. regulatory environment with the exact mind of how do we build this um, from the ground up in terms of how did Betfair do that. We've got advisors from Betfair um, that you know, built the platform, saw it grow, off scale all of that so we really lean on them heavy and again i don't want to harp on them too much um but that that is really how we are i guess i, I guess thinking about it um it's it, it's more of a or still question i guess when you when you get a little further down the road um no one wants to go out you know potentially uh put their head out on this concept build the technology and then it doesn't work right yeah. well we were willing to i guess um so we'll, we'll see but they also thought their own margins and cannibalize themselves a little bit. They've got a huge high margin product that uh, does very well for most of these companies. Uh, So why would they want to lower their margins? is kind of the best way to think about it. And if we obviously do get the volume to uh, be making enough money in a high volume, low margin business, then it's more worth it at that point for them to look at us and have a conversation with us than it is for them to go out and build their own stack. Um, There's also a- Go ahead. to quickly add on to that, um,
2: I think Jake said it well in the beginning that Betfair is a brick wall. And if you want to try to compete with them in the UK, like, like Smart did, like Betdaq did, like Matchbook did, you need, to, you need to be really creative and you're still not going to beat them or really come close. Um, and that's because they have a liquidity mode. So when people inevitably try to copy us, sure, they can come in and they can try to beat us. They're going to try to undercut our margins. They're going to try to pool some money away to customers. But they, at the end of the day, price and liquidity is king and that's what we're
0: trying to build here. Um, In terms of state-to-state, and I'm just asking this because you guys clearly are following this very closely, are the regulations in this realm varying much state-to-state, or once a state flips and becomes legalized, is it pretty uniform around the country?
1: Okay. I wish it was the latter. I wish it was that easy. Um, Think of it as we we have to flip each one one at a time um and that's a case-by-case basis um, new jersey was great to work with here they were extremely willing to fit the exchange technology and platform into their existing regulations as being said we hold the same license as DraftKings does here in new jersey um, but we obviously have a bunch of different uh, product test cases or revenue reporting requirements we're just a fundamentally different product and wallet at our core So that was obviously uh, uh, took a long time to work with New Jersey on in terms of how do we test for an exchange? How do we report revenue on that exchange? How is this different than everything else that we currently do with all other 24 operators that are all sports books? So we have to now do that in every single state, which will obviously be a a, a fun mission. But New Jersey was the first to really uh, allow it, I will say, and and work with us towards that. But it is um, certainly not a, uh, you know, look at new jersey uh we can just do it right now the way that they do it um we're hoping that that starts opening up conversations in other states they see how new jersey did it they see how we're regulated they don't want to slow us down right it's good for them to be able to have you know innovation and startups entering their own states most of them at least um so we are hoping that it gets a little bit easier with each domino that falls but right now it's still very much a a one-to-one basis.
0: Um, I obviously I mentioned I'm in traditional media. Uh, Traditional media is incorporating more gambling content consistently, more and more and more in game. And I think that that's going to continue to follow as partnerships emerge. I haven't seen anything that's peer to peer yet that's involved in literal game broadcasts. Do you think there is an opening for this type of content and this type of push amongst uh, the media operators and potentially the fans?
1: Yeah. I mean, why not? Uh, I don't, again, being only a couple weeks old here, I don't think we have a leg to stand on in terms of saying we should be what's on the screen. But does it piss me off when on Thursday night football you have Bills Rams and you are shown the odds of minus 135 for the Bills and plus 115 for the Rams? And us over here as a betting exchange are closing that market at minus 119, plus 118. So we're actually offering you a better price on each side of the bet uh, at close. So from a from a fairness perspective, I mean, I, I think that people should be shown, you know, the best options possible and not be pigeonholed into whoever has the most money to pay for the sponsor, sponsorship sheet. But I'm not a, I'm, I guess I'm more of a realist here and knowing that that's not what's going to happen. So at some point we're going to have to muster up the capital to own one of those sponsorships Spots if we want to but um i i I don't see any reason why not we just need to grow a little bit get a little more uh of of our feet set and and get a bit more capital to be able to compete on those type of deals but uh, again in terms of fairness and and, and priority perspective i I totally see that as being something that you know we, we would obviously look to do moving forward but time will tell
0: Um, I appreciate your honesty throughout these answers with all of this. Um, So the last thing I want to ask you is then what does a success look like here? And I don't think you're going to give me the pie in the sky. Every gambler is betting on this particular exchange. That's not realistic. So what does success look like for profit exchange?
2: Um, We just want to be mainstream. I think that's that's the best way to put it. Like when you, when you think of sports betting, you know, you think of sports books, you think of exchanges, and when you think of
1: exchanges, you think of profit. That's the goal. Yeah, we're, we're, we're never going to compete. Uh, we, we, were, we were talking about this, and if, uh, I'll, I'll continue to be honest here, but we just had our first NFL Sunday in the books, and I, I'm, Gene and I have been sports betting for, I don't even know how long at this point. We, we know how people think about it and how people want to do it from your casual $10 parlay better to your, you know, I'm betting $5,000 aside uh, that I like. And right now as an exchange with, you know, we, we have a decent liquidity. We, we've got into four figures per side around kickoff, which is, you know, definitely enough for some people, not enough for others. Um, but it, it's, it's tough to compete on an NFL Sunday when you have 14 games going on and I can go to draft games or FanDuel and, uh, take seven people to score a touchdown and round Robin it and parlay it and put all of these types of teasers together like we're not we're never going to be able to compete against that that's not who we are right now at least um what we are now looking to do is really target uh what we're calling island games so we're seeing much more traffic coming from a thursday night football sunday night football monday night football yeah than we are from necessarily the entire sunday slate and that's because i know how sports bettors work i wake up at 11.30 on a Sunday, I want to throw in my huge round robin, my touchdown score bets. I go to DraftKings or Fendal to do that. But when you have one game on TV, you're way more in tune with picking a side, of course, uh, than you are with, you know, putting together the gambit of parlays or round robins or whatever you do on your Sundays or Saturdays. Um, and it, it's a no-brainer. We're offering the best price on both sides of the side that you want, of the game that you're watching. Um, same with the spread. So, it makes much more sense to head over to our platform on or mobile and, and place a bet with us when you're placing one bet, um, than trying to compete on Saturdays or Sundays. So again, we're just trying to, I guess, find our footing. Um, I think we'll be targeting a lot of those Island games moving forward for the NFL season.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, That's that success for us right now is being able to uh, onboard people there and use that as an acquisition tool. And down the road, it's probably how can we build our product to best suit and, compete on an NFL Sunday or a college football Saturday. So it's, 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 it's crawl, walk, crawl, walk, run over here, as we like to say. Um, and we're very much still crawling, but, um, as, as Dean said, getting, getting into a mainstream perspective and people understanding the concepts without me or Dean having to explain it to every individual that we meet, friends <laughs> or family would be a nice start. Yeah.
0: Jake Benzaquin and Dean Sisson are the co-founders at profit exchange. Thank you both for joining us. Thanks, Graham. on the next future sport podcast memberships are a new preferred package for fans
1: access to the highest demand events and flexible redemption of hey i don't want these seats i want something else and facilitating that all through uh, a technology platform you know a lot of teams now are employing pretty large service teams to manage flexibility for members because they know that that's a requirement to keep members
0: that's chris giles ceo at fan rally and the former coo of the oakland a's who is helping teams meet the demands of modern fans who want flexibility in their attendance options that will do it for this episode as always the future is now this is the future sport podcast i'm bram weinstein